The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. All right, let's uh, let's pick up in verse 43. Uh, we're going to go through the end of the chapter, which is verse 51. Um, that, uh, you know, I think that, you know, we, we have to be careful that uh, though the scripture is being declared here in this piece, there are some artistic license. We'll see some de- deviation with the understanding of, tr- of scripture here. And I think it's so important that we're Bereans. What I mean by that is, uh, we're, you know, when Paul got to, to Berea, uh, they were uh, everything that he preached. They, they they checked it to the Old Testament scriptures to make sure what he was saying was factual. And I think we should be that way as believers. Uh, when, when no matter who's teaching, no matter what's what's in front of us, we should always measure that to the truth of God's word and ask the Spirit for authenticity or uh, a stamp of approval on those things. But we pick up in verse forty-three, uh, and I'll read this through for us again. And then we'll dive in. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe me? Do you believe? Do you believe? You will see greater things than these, he said to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's bow our hearts. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I know I mentioned last week that, you know, I'm sure it's a similar experience for you that when you get into the scriptures, you might read a portion of a scripture, or you might read a, a, a text from your devotional or uh, in a Bible study, and once you finish reading that text, you're like, that's, that's really interesting, but um, you know, I don't know that there's a lot there. And, man, I got to tell you, from the, from the point of starting to prepare a sermon to the point where you, for me, Sunday morning, it's this massive, like, transformation that happens in the understanding of God's word as the spirit continues. I, I, I think I'm the most blessed person when it comes to this this morning because I just, I'm so, I'm so blown away uh, the depth, the richness of God's word and what it has to show us and how it, you know, we always say that, you know, the, the best commentary on scripture is scripture, right? Like, you know, it just kind of, it, it, it always reinforces and complements itself uh, and, uh, and always, you know, is ready, you know, to, to be the, the, the very language the Spirit speaks in and through of our, our lives. So let's look at verse 43 and 44. Uh, I'm 
if it's not already obvious, I'm pretty excited about this. So, all right, so follow with me. This is, uh, this is great stuff. So the next day, and it's interesting, this is the third time in the text. I think it's verse 29, verse 35, and now here in verse 43, we see the next day, the next day, the next day. And to me, that's kind of interesting because this is the third day, right? This is the third day. Uh, we also see in chapter 2, verse 1, uh, it says on the third day, and he's talking about this wedding feast that we're going to get to here uh, in a couple of weeks. So it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Now, um, how many decisions do you think that you make in a day? Quite a few, right? What to wear, what to eat, uh, what to say, on and on and on. Uh, here, Jesus is moving about through Palestine, and in this particular moment, we know from, from earlier texts that he is in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan. Right? He's where John the Baptist is baptizing. This is not the Bethany where Lazarus and John, I mean Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. That's only a couple, short of a couple miles uh, from, from Jerusalem. This is the Bethany that's all the way on the other side of the Jordan. And from there, they're going to journey all the way over to Galilee and specifically to Bethsaida. Now, uh, it's interesting because uh, between that period where it says Galilee period and then he, right, found Philip... Um, we have this massive amount of time that, that passes by because they're journeying, they're traveling, they're, they're coming to Bethsaida in Galilee. Um, and so, um, but in, in, prior to that, he says, Jesus decided. So uh, just for a moment, rhetorical question, like how did Jesus make his decisions? I mean, as an example to you and I, uh, in, in something that we do constantly that really, you know, um, you know, Many have said that the sum of our life, you know, is the decisions that we make. You know, like, uh, so decisions are critical in, in the uh, formation of our life, in the, in the process of our life. And so how did Jesus make decisions? Based on what criteria? And the scriptures have a lot to say to us on this. It says that he was keenly aware of the Father's will. That he was sensitive to the Spirit as he was led of the Father. That he was guided, that he never went anywhere outside the Father's will. So what does that require for you and I? Right? You know, Galatians 5.25 says, you know, be, be, be what? To keep in step with the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, Jesus says in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. And he says, abide in me and I in you. And if you do this, and in my word, he says later on, and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus models for us here. If we know that if Jesus has decided, ultimately he has heard from the Father, it's been con he's convinced of the Father's will, and he's moving in not only the where, but the when. How do we know it's the when? Because we see with Lazarus in John chapter 11 that Jesus knew that he was going to Lazarus, but this wasn't the time to go. When his, when his brothers were provoking him to go to festival to reveal himself because they were in complete doubt about him, he said, I will not go now. But he went later. So, like, what does that mean for you and I as we make decisions every day? I think that means that we need to seek the heart of the Lord. I think we need to seek his word and make sure that the decisions and the choices we make are completely in line with his truth, with his word. He's never going to, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead us outside of his word. Right? They're always going to be completely in line. They're going to be in completely in unity with each other. Uh, and then we have another gift that's given to us, is the body of Christ. So coming together with other like-minded believers, those that have been 
that have been confirmed, uh, as it says in, 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 uh, in Acts chapter 6, you know, like put some men before us to take care of the, the, he, the, the Hebrew and, and Hebra the Hebraic and Greek widows that are in need here. And these were men full of wisdom and, and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we should seek counsel from others that are in the Lord. And if those things are all in line, then we can, we can come to the conclusion that the Lord is... And the Lord doesn't want to be a mystery to us on the ways that He leads us. But Jesus is a model to us on how to follow the Father. How to, to be led of the Spirit. And let me tell you one of the things that's going to be required for this for you to be successful in uh, is one a submitted posture to the Holy Spirit, a pliable heart that says it's not my will but your will that I want. It's not my kingdom, not my fame, but for your glory and for your kingdom, Father. This is what I. This is going to be required, or otherwise we start to wrestle with God's will in our life, and that's a, that's an exhausting endeavor. Though we know that God will finish what He started, uh, that, uh, that that He's faithful to do these things. Uh, Hebrew, First uh, Thessalonians five twenty four says, "The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it." Talking about the finishing, sanctifying work of God's presence. But we can do that as a joyful, obedient child of God, or we can do that as a wrestling Jacob, <laughs> and that that is a that is an arduous approach. And so the other thing, and this is something that we don't like, in order to uh, make decisions the way Jesus did and be where God wants us to be is we have to be, I'm going to use the P word, patient. It's hard for us, isn't it? But here's the good news. God doesn't ask us to be anything that he doesn't help us to do. One of the fruits of the Spirit, go figure, is patience. And so God gives us what we need in order to, to do what he's called us to do. And I love that. There's, it, it's, a, it's a glorious thing that what, um, what God calls us to do, and, you know, it's not only does he equip us for that, but he equips us in, in, in the most wonderful ways. He gives us his very presence. The church is, is, is filled with his spirit in order to be empowered for his will, his mission. And you know what our mission is? To love God, love people, to go into all the, the earth and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then don't miss this. And to teach them everything that I've taught you. Not everything that I haven't taught you yet, right? And then here's the best news, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So God is with us, right? Not because we're good, not because we deserve that but because of Jesus, because he died in our place and ushered us in. He said, come and see <laughs> that God, God is good. Taste and see, right? And so as you make decisions, I mean, I think this is one of the most practical pieces in this, and it gets us right at the very beginning. The next day, Jesus decided. We don't leave things to chance, right? I mean, do we just kind of wander through life and kind of, whatever comes, I'll just do whatever, you know, let it flow. Right? Listen, in, in, uh, it says to this in, um, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. So there we, there we have it, his will. What is his will? Well, one of the verses tells us what his will is. If you, uh, if you look with me in, uh, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 
right? Chapter, and you probably know these verses. First Thessalonians 5, verses, I'm sorry about that, probably my shirt. Let me just fix that bill and that might not happen anymore. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 16, 17, and 18. What does verse 17 say? Pray without... What does verse 16 say? Be joyful always. So listen, listen to what this says. This is interesting. We talk about the will of God here, right? Is It says, be joyful always, pray continually, and be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the will of God. Do you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be joyful always. That's, that's easy, right? I mean, he's just talking about when things are great, right? No. Like, you know, like, I, I love this. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus ends this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's, 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 he's transitioning. He says this, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, good thing this word perfect means mature. Okay? Like... But, um, but he's talking about perfect righteousness. Perfect, like, he's talking about things that is not possible with me. So it's not possible for me to be joyful always. It's not possible for me to pray. And I'm not talking about closing my eyes in the car so I don't get in an accident praying. I mean, it's not, it's not possible for me to be thankful in all circumstances. But guess what? All things are possible with him. And he dwells in you. And he's calling us. To not depend on me, but to depend on Him. Isn't that what it is? We're not called to have self-confidence. We're called to have God-confidence. Right? Our confidence is in Him to fulfill His promises. Not to do everything that I want Him to do, but do everything that He's promised to do. Every yes. Every, every promise is yes in Jesus. They're saying that this morning. You know, it's a glorious thing. So the next day, Jesus decided. He didn't leave it to chance. He just didn't say, you know, whatever. Come what may, right? You know, he sought the Father's will. He prayed. He moved. Guys, do you make plans? Anybody got a daytimer? Anybody make plans? You kind of struggle with people telling me, hey, what's your five-year plan? Follow Jesus. <laughs> like, look, here's the thing. Plans are okay, but they better be bathed in prayer. Because God gets to determine your steps, right? Proverbs uh, 16, 9 says. Like, he gets to determine the steps. Right? So, as James chapter 4 says, you know, we need to be in a Lord-willing posture, right? <laughs> like, we can make plans. That's okay. They should be prayerful. They, 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 hopefully, they're His. But don't we find ourselves in some occasions going, Lord, I'm waiting on you for your direction here. And it's, it seems like, like, like we've got a deadline, right? But it doesn't seem like God has one, right? So, like, it's like, hey. And I love that God always kind of waits to the last minute to kind of reveal that. Because He wants us to trust Him. Right? He wants us to rest in him. And he doesn't want us to be anxious in the process of, come on, God, you know, this thing's coming down. Like we do self-inflicted deadlines, right? You know, and put self-inflicted stress on ourselves. When he wants us to be children that just rest in his sovereign care and, and let him be the good shepherd. You know, is it hard being sheep? But, but guys, we need to have prayerful plans that are yielded to the Father. And when he, when he reveals to us that this is not my plan, what do you do? Because a lot of, I watch folks, man, it breaks my heart. But they, they, they fight for their plan. They wrestle with God for their will. Because they're all wrapped up in their kingdom. And their glory, if they're honest. And so, like Jesus was completely submitted to the Father's agenda. 
He wanted what God... And you know what, you know what my conclusion is after a lot of wrestling confession? A lot of Jacob moments for me? Is, you see, the more we get versed in His Word, and the more we come into His presence, sit at His feet, and realize His heart, the more we want His will above ours. The more we believe His will is way better than ours. We come to a place where we literally say, I don't want anything to do. I don't have a will. Let me ask you a question. And I'm not talking about the one you write at the end of your life. And you know, but the will thing. But like, what I'm saying is, is that, do you think after Jesus called these guys? Because now there's five disciples. Curiously, they're all from Bethsaida. The house of fishing. They're all fishermen, or at least in the fishing town and industry, right? That's, that's where Bethsaida is. But, you know, it's interesting. It's talking about decisions and, and going where God leads us. Um, question, guys. Once they've started following Jesus, once they, they, they accepted his invitation, how many of those days after that did they get to go where they want to go? And do what they want. Hey, Jesus, I think I'm going to go hang out with my buddy over at the pizza. You know, I'm going to go do this tonight. I don't think any of that ever... I mean, Jesus was running the show. He was leading the way. Well, he is the way. You know, so like he's doing, he's doing the Father's bidding. You know what we're called to do as followers of Christ? If we have said, I'm going to follow you. We sang it, right? I'll love who you love. I'll serve who you serve. I'll go where you go. Right? Like if that's if that's our if we consider ourselves, let's not use a a a a term, a semantical term, a nomenclature that, that really the world gave to the church. Let's use the word that Jesus and Paul used. Followers of Christ, believers, saints. If you're one of these purchased by the blood of Christ, deposited with the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose to be a witness. Then, then we are called to follow Him with our lives. And there's, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but there's a prerequisite for that. Jesus said, if anybody would come after me, he must deny himself. What does that say? What does that mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? We just talked about this in our, in our uh, I meet with Tom and Rob, and, and we, uh, we were going through Discipleship Essentials on Thursday nights, and we just got through this section. And it really, you know what it means? It means to say no to me. It means, it means to, to reject the flesh. It means to say, I'm not having my way because I want his way. Right? Deny yourself. Then it says, take up your cross, how often? Daily. Guys, crucifixion, is it kind of a gentle thing? It's kind of a casual thing? No, right? It's violent. It's, it's brutal. It's assertive. It's, I mean, and we're called to like, take up our cross daily. We're called to, we're not meant to have this friendly relationship with our flesh. We're meant to die to it. Romans 6 says, consider it dead in the, in the process of baptism. Like we're called to die to our way so we can fully give ourselves to his. I mean, think about what the, you know, Genesis 2.24 talks about marriage. I had the privilege of getting together with Daisy and, and Brandon yesterday and talking through premarital. They're getting married. And Daisy's here for a few days, so I'm sure that's why you see that big smile on Brandon. Um, so, um, but it says, you know, a, a man will leave his mother and father, and he will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. But you know what this is really a picture of? And Ephesians 5 helps us to understand this. What this is really a picture of is Christ and his bride. Let me tell you the mystery. Christ and his church. And so, you know, we can only cleave to something 
to the, to the degree that we leave. Right? If you're hanging on to the world, you're not, you're not fully following Jesus. There's no way. And, and, and Revelation 3 says that makes God sick. It puts us in a hypocrisy posture. We're an actor. You got one foot in the world. You, you can't follow Jesus with a foot in the world. You can't. You can't do the Father's bidding when you're still trying to do yours. Or you're a people pleaser and you're wanting to do everybody else's. We've got to be a God pleaser. And that means being set apart. You know, in the Beatitudes, one of the Beatitudes, you know, these are, this is the blessed life. It says, blessed are those who what? Are pure in what? Pure in heart. You know what that word means? You know what that means? That means undivided heart. Undivided heart. That, that's, that's what God wants. You, you think God wants you to kind of love a bunch of things? Or does he, he want you to love him with all of his heart? All your heart. All your mind. All your soul. All your, he is worthy of our total, full... I mean, this is... When people say that Jesus is a part of my life, I'm like... That's not what the Bible says. He is my life. He defines me now. His resume has been given to me. His righteousness has been imputed to me by faith. And this is the way it's been since Genesis 15, 6, when it said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him, his righteousness. We better move on. Okay, so next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Right? Decided to go to Galilee. Jesus said this. Talk about the Father's will. Like, he said, you know, so the disciples... Um, they, they, they intentionally go to Samaria. That's pretty amazing in itself. Jesus wanted to be there. He intentionally wanted to have some time with this poor woman that had had five husbands, and the man she was living with was not her husband. So she was a town outcast. She was coming to the well at noon because everybody else comes to the well in the morning, and you know she didn't want to be around anybody because of her, her reputation. So, um, so Jesus says, well, I want to be with you. Isn't that awesome? So... He, he uh, actually creates a scenario where he sends his disciples on a, on, uh, to, to Publix. And, uh, and, he's, and he's, uh, he's, um, he's sitting there at the well having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And she's going, why are you talking to me? This doesn't, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you have a woman. Like all of that. And Jesus breaks down all those social ills. And, and he, he addresses some things with her. That is so beautiful. But in the, in the end of that conversation, she runs off to, to be a witness, right? That's when we, when we see Jesus for who he is, what do we do? We start running off to, to our intimate context, relationships, and we start telling them, right? Isn't that what Andrew did with Peter? Isn't that in this text what Philip did with Nathaniel? He ran, we run to the people that we love and we tell them we've found who we've realized him to be, right? So she's running off. To go and keep in mind that's a supernatural thing in itself. Don't don't think that oh my gosh I've got to do this witnessing thing. No, he he's empowering you for that purpose because this girl was avoiding every social contact within her context, and uh, and, and and now she's running to them to tell them about Jesus because she's seen him. He says he says to her at the end of this conversation she said he says to her he says that's me. He goes, no, when, when the Messiah comes. And, and then Jesus says, yeah, the one who's talking to you, that's him. She's like, boom. I mean, she's like, like, whoa. And then, so then what happens is the disciples come back, right? And they catch this end of this conversation. And they're like, um, he's talking to a woman. 
a Samaritan. And then nobody was bold enough, including Peter, to say anything, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, so then they're, uh, they're trying to offer him lunch. And, and Jesus is like, I mean, it would have been tough to be a disciple before the Holy Spirit. That would have been tough stuff. Because you're always looking in the physical, and he's always trying to give you the spiritual, and you're wrong. Always, right? So, like, so, so, we, so what happens is they're sitting there, and they're going, so, hey, do you want a, a, a Reuben? Like, what, what is it that you would like? You know, we got some food. And, uh, and uh, Jesus is like, I have food you know nothing about. And listen what he says, to do the will of my Heavenly Father. Guys, please don't miss this. I know I'm still on verse 43, but listen, don't miss this, because this is so sweet, that when we follow the Father's will, when, we, when we're led of the Spirit, when we obey His Word, that's another characteristic of, a, of walking in His will. Right? When we when we do what Jesus modeled for us to do, when we honor the Lord in what we and how we live, Jesus said, I have food you know nothing about to do the will of the Heavenly Father. You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But Jesus is telling us when we obey that word, that we get fed in that. And and if you're sitting here today and you know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean. When you, when you obey God's word and you serve others the way that Jesus condescended and served and washed feet and you give your life away for the glory of God and you, you die to your will so you can, you can live for his, like there, there's a feeding of your soul that happens in that moment. Man, I, I've been with people on Samaritan Purse mission trips, man. And, and man, it's like people like, man, I just, I don't want to leave. Right, Miss Kathy? I don't want to go home. <laughs> This, I want to stay right here. And that's exactly what everybody that encounters Jesus says. I mean, the guy we call Legion, that's not his name. We're going to get back to that. Um, he, he is told, no, just like the Samaritan woman. No, don't come follow. He's like, I just want to stay with you, Jesus. I don't want to, you, you have given me life. You have, you have given me the right mind that I'm desperate for. You've given me hope. And he says, no, go back and tell the people that you know. Can you imagine the testimony that that guy would have had? to cut himself up. He, used to, he was a menace. He was notorious. And so Jesus sends him back. And he sends us out too, guys. That's what he does. He, he, he reveals himself to... And please let me say this, because it, it's so much a part of this text. Like, Jesus doesn't... He's not depending on you to change you. Like, you know what changes us? is when we see him for who he is. Peter's in a boat full of fish. It's the best day that, that he's ever had. This is a dream day. His partners, James and John, boat full of fish. Luke chapter 5, full of fish. So, and you think Peter's dancing. No, he's on his knees. And you think Jesus is on the shore. No, he's in the boat in deep water. And what's happening? Peter's saying, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What happened? He had an Isaiah 6 moment. Woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And I have seen something. The Lord Almighty. See, when God through... And, and, and listen, what was the precipice to that moment in, in, in Luke chapter 5? What, what, what happened? Peter was called, after fishing all night, catching nothing, he was called to go into deep water. And he said, you know, we fished all night and caught nothing. We're like, I don't really want to do this. But because you said so, Lord, verse 6, we will go. Verse 7 said, when they had done so. Folks full of fish. But you know, what, you know what happened in that moment? Peter didn't give a rip about the fish anymore. He didn't care about fishing anymore. 
He was so consumed with who was in his boat because God was in his boat and he knew it. You know how we know that? Because in the text it says, he calls, him, he calls Jesus master, 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 and then he says, go away from me. And it also says in the text, he's no longer Simon, which he was called Simon, Simon, Simon. This is Luke now. And now he's called Simon Peter. You know why? Because he's starting to become what we just read about last week. He's starting to become the rock. He's starting to become Cephas. Simon is getting lost in this glorious work. And you know what the work is? Jesus tells us in John, John chapter 6, verse 28, 29. He tells us, they ask him, well, what's the work of God? To what? To believe. This, and it's the work that God does for us, with us, but it's, it's what we're called to do. We, we're changed by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, right? We have a list of, of men and women, and it says, by faith, action. By faith, action. By faith, by faith, obedience. By faith, obedience, right? And you know how we're changed? By setting our gaze upon the author of life and declaring that he is who he is, Lord. And we say, and we say to him, Think about it, like, like, this is so sweet. Isaiah chapter 6, right? This, Isaiah has this moment where he's like, vision comes before the throne of grace, and he's like, and, and he's ruined by it. Like, he's just, like, he's like, woe is me. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm ruined, he says. And he's instantly aware of his, of his tongue, of his mouth, and nothing seems appropriate, and everything that he says seems inappropriate, and everything that everybody else has said in his life seems inappropriate. We're men, but people of unclean lips. But then, remember what happens? The coal, symbolic of Jesus' ministry, comes and touches his mouth, symbolic of the tongues of fire. Right? Comes and purifies him to, to be the saint that he's meant to be. Right? This, you know, that God is through his faith. But here's the thing. Do you notice what happens next? Uh, the Trinity starts having a little conversation. You know, who, who are we going to say? They know that he's there, but he's not going to force him to the mission. Right? They said, no, no, who are we going to now that he's been, you know, gone through this purifying experience, who is and and what, what, what does Isaiah do? Right? That's what he does. Send me! Send me! Right? This is exactly what happens to Peter in this moment. Because he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And then what is what, what happens in that moment? In that moment, Jesus looks at him and says, we're not going to be going for fish anymore. Just, we're going to go catch some men. He was prepared through that moment to catch Man. And guys, as we read through this text, I want to tell you, that's exactly what happens. It's the same thing, right? A person comes, has an encounter with Jesus. We see it with Andrew, right? Andrew comes up to him. He's like, I think the video does such a sweet job of that. Uh, so so, so, so where are you staying, Lord? Right? Um, Rabbi? Like, I think they say master. And so, like, he said, you know, come and see. Right? And, but they call him rabbi. They call him teacher or master. That's the connotation there. And, and basically, they follow him. And it says it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he spends time with Jesus. Right? The next thing we know, he's running off to his brother. And he says this. We have found the master. We have found the rabbi. We have found the Messiah. He spent a little time with Jesus. And, he, and who changed? <laughs> Peter did. I mean, Andrew did. Why? Because his perspective of Jesus changed. Guys, that's what sanctifies us. That's what changes us. It's when we see him for who he is. You don't change you. God is not impressed by your deeds. 
Filthy rags. He's not impressed. You know what he's impressed with? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And guess where you are in Christ. So who are you? You're a son and daughter who is beloved, and he is well pleased in you. And if you have a hard time believing that, I'm telling you, not giving the cross enough credit. That's a fact. That's who you are in Christ. That's the good news. And what that will do is it will, when you believe what the scripture says in those 92 statements about who you are in Christ, when you believe that's who you are in Christ, you start to live that way. We live what we believe. Who are you? See, this, this passage is so amazing. Um, let's keep going. Um, so, so, he goes on and says, He found Philip. I titled this message Finding Jesus, but I did it as kind of a little funny thing because we don't find Jesus. He finds us. Like, we have to understand that. He's the one that's doing the finding. But then here's the good news. We get to join him in helping others to be found. How good is God? We get to experience what he then allows us to help others experience, which is his presence, his power, his joy, his hope, his life. Like, this is what he wants for us. He found Philip, Jesus did, and said to him, follow me. Now, in the video, you know, Jesus kind of standing there, anticipating, you know, Philip turning around and kind of coming to him. Philip comes to him, and Jesus just standing there, and Philip looks at him, and he smiles, and he's like, follow. That just seems a little weird, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, so what we have to understand is we have to understand a little bit of Jewish context here. Um, the pinnacle... Um, uh, for, like if you have a son, the, the, the most glorious thing that that son could ever do or become is what? A rabbi. That is the, I mean, that's the, uh, in Jewish culture, the, those are the people that make decisions. Those are the people that have influence. Those are the people who shape culture. Uh, they, that is, so if anybody, like if, if your son becomes a rabbi, this is good. You know, this is, this is a Jewish father's heart. So when, when, when John, James and John... Right? Leave Zebedee in the boat and follow Jesus. Zebedee's not going, come on, guys, I can't do this for myself. He's, that's not what he's doing. He's going, thank you, God, for calling my boys. Right? They didn't have a clue where this was going. I want to just be clear about that. Three years in, they're still going, can we sit at your right and left? They still didn't get it. Right? Until the Spirit comes, we don't get it either. But like, what we've got to understand is, is that, like, when he said, follow me, he was a rabbi. His garb would have declared that, right? Philip didn't even need to know who he was to know that this is a rabbi that's standing in front of me. The other thing we need to know, these are peers of Andrew and, and John, who are now the first two disciples who brought Peter in, and James is soon to come, right? So Nathaniel and Philip are both from Bethsaida. So all five of these guys are from the same town. It's called the House of Fishing. The reason it's the House of Fishing for the Jewish community, and it's not in Jewish territory, is because this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the tributary that comes in, the main feeding tributary to the Sea of Galilee. The Seder's right there. That's pretty, that's pretty important, right? And so these guys all know each other. So who's the one that's been kind of paving the way for Philip? Probably Peter. Andrew, right, and, uh, and John. And so when Jesus walks up to Philip and he says, follow me, do you know what Philip's thinking? 
oh man, I didn't think that I had a shot at this anymore. Because in Jewish tradition, kids, kids go to two Jewish schools. The first school, they learn Torah. And when I say learn Torah, guys, they have to know it word for word. Five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized. Right? If they do well in that school, they get to go on to the next school, which is a little tougher because now it's the Law and the Prophets and the Psalms. And now they've got to memorize that. Then at the age of 13, go figure, we call it Bar Mitzvah, right? right? It's the, the Bar means son of, and Bar Mitzvah means son of, the, son of the covenant. right? At that age, they have the opportunity now to be, to be recruited by a rabbi. And if you get recruited by a rabbi, like this is, that means that you're, you did well in that school. Right? Otherwise, guess where they go at that point? They go off to the family trade. Fishers, fishermen, you know, carpenters. And, and for, so for a young man later on in life in the family trade to be asked to follow a rabbi, can you imagine? Philip's like, done. <laughs> like this is really, if we don't understand that, it seems kind of weird. But Philip's like, follow a rabbi. It's why, guys, it's why later on we'll see this. It's why Levi, Matthew, when Jesus walks by his tax collector booth in, in, in Capernaum and says, follow me, that's all he says. That's why Matthew goes, I'm done. I'm done being a rebel of, of my people. Right? I'm done partnering with Rome. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to be a rabbi. Because here's the thing. When you're asked to follow a rabbi, what is the goal of that discipleship process? You become a rabbi. Right? That's why Peter got out of the boat when Jesus stood on water. Because what a disciple is supposed to do is what the rabbi does. You're, spent, you're supposed to become like the rabbi. He is, he is teaching you. That's why the word disciple means what? Learner. Student. Right? That's what disciple means. And so the, the, the fact that he called Philip and Philip was like, done, gone, leaving it all behind. James and John, leaving it all behind. Matthew, walking away from the tax collector booth, is because this was the pinnacle ask. In our culture, I don't know what the parallel would be, but I mean, to be asked to do something, like if you're doing whatever you're doing today, and someone comes up to you, and I hadn't thought this through, so I don't have a good illustration, so forgive me, but someone comes up to you and just says, hey, I want you to come and do this, and it's going to be filled with opportunity, influence, money, status. I mean, this is what the disciples are thinking when Jesus calls them. I mean, they just, they're gone. And their families are celebrating. So, what happens is, now Philip, it says, Jesus says, follow me. And it goes on to say, um, now Philip was from Bethsaida, house of fish, uh, the, the city of Peter and Andrew. So that's how we understand the connection there. But what, the, the thing that leaped off the page for me is, follow me. Follow me. What is Jesus saying in that? Now, not what, I want, you, I want you to understand, it's not what, I, I don't want us to, uh, to think about what James and John and Matthew and, in this case, Philip is hearing. Because sometimes, and, and I'm going to end with this because this is so incredibly important. It's not what they're hearing that matters, it's what Jesus is saying. It's what he's intending in this moment. It's what, it's what Jesus is calling them to, not what they think they're coming to. Does that make sense? Because I want to go to Luke. Look at Luke chapter 9. He says, And he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. We talked about this. Take up his cross daily and follow me. 
So what's the prerequisite? I underlined it for our benefit. What's the prerequisite to following me? Deny yourself. Jesus said it in a number of ways. Don't, don't start building a house and leave it half done. He told a guy that says, I want to follow you, but i got to first bury my dad. He said, let the dead bury the dead. That seems cool. But the truth is, what he's saying is, he was saying, my dad is in the process of dying. He's in hospice. Right? And, uh, and Jesus says, look, you follow me, I'll take care of him. Right? Look, look. He said, the other guy comes up and says, I want to follow you. He says, you know, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no, no place to lay his head. You know why? Because Jesus looked in his heart and he knew what he was after there. Just like in, in John chapter 6 when the people followed him around the water after getting 5,000 just men, much less women and children, arguably 12 to 14,000 people ate from a, a boy's box lunch because of the miraculous hand of the, the manna himself. You know, they, they walk around to chase him, and he looks in their heart and says, Look, you, you know why you're here? Because you want your bellies filled again. You're not after living bread. You're not after me. You're after, and you want to make me king? Why? So you can sit back and just eat. And you know what? In our American culture, we have a broken paradigm for what we think the church is. We, we, have, this, we have this, you know, when Jesus said, follow me, his idea was, follow me to the cross. This is what he was saying to Philip in this moment. This is what he was saying to those boys every time they, he asked any of them to follow. He, they were thinking, ooh, prestige, ooh, rabbi. You know, and guys, we have to be careful that we don't have the same, oh, that, oh not, if I follow Jesus, everything's going to be good. I'm going to be happy all the time. Who's lying to you? I mean, there's a lot of preachers out there saying, you know, you can live your best life now. And that's not... That, this is a road marked with suffering. They hated me, Jesus said, they'll hate you too. The blessed life is a life full of insults and persecution. You're going to be cursed, and you know what you do when you're cursed? You bless. You're going to have people that consider you their enemy. You know what you do? You love them, and you pray for them. That sounds a lot like more what Jesus went through. That sounds a lot like more what we should be prepared, prepared to walk through. He says, I am sending you out as sheep among Come on, people. It is, a, it is a battle. It's not a playground. Amen. And we're equipped for it. This is the glorious thing that God has done by putting His Spirit. Greater is He that is in me than... Come on. Like, see, we have to understand that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not in Colin Monroe. I, I, I can't conquer anything. But in Christ <laughs> Jesus, I'm more than a... I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. And guys, that doesn't give, give me the liberty to, 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 to claim in faith anything other than his promises. And I can claim them every time because every promise is yes in Jesus and I've been given Christ Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the, the, the Bible says, if you ask anything in my name, that means Jesus is talking about this. This is John 14, John 15. Like you, you, you can ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. But what does it mean to ask in his name? It means to ask in his will, in his authority. In his way, in the word. Like, but but guys, do we know that if we ask anything in his name, Peter goes on to clarify that and says, in his will, right? That we can we can we can walk in that. You know what Israel did with that promise long before it was made? Israel was told that the battle was won. Before they got there, they were told the battle was won. This is under King Hezekiah. And they marched into this battle. Right? You know who got to lead the way? Was it the warriors? Was it, the, was it the, 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 the valid men of David, you know, or their descendants? No. You know who it was? It was the praise team. Right out front. 
given God praise. You know why? Because they believed God at his word. And when they got to the cleft of the rock, looked over the battle, there was three nations that had turned on themselves and everyone was done. And they walked into it with faith that God, you know, you know what God says? Let me, by the way, say this before I say that. You know, you know what happened after that? It says it took them three days to collect the plunder. Think about what that is. Think about what the blessing, that's the, that's the boat full of fish again. You, you see what I'm saying? Like when we walk by faith in him, yes, there are blessings. But they're according, listen, do you think that our God isn't a daddy that wants to bless his kids? Yeah. Come on. Money isn't evil. The love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. If we are a good steward of the resources, and listen, there's things way more precious than money. God's word, God's people, God's mission. All it is is resources to be stewarded for the glory of God and to be stored up, right? Stored up for treasures. We, 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 that's, that's the, uh, that's the uh, investment plan that I want, right? Pay it forward. And so, like, understand that it is, it is God's desire that we walk in his will so that he can, you know, think about this. Um, Psalm chapter, I mean, Psalm 1, right? It says, it says um, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or, sit, or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it sometimes. No? He meditates on it day and night, Right? He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And it, it sounds a lot like what God said to, to Joshua on the precipice of the promised land. Be strong and courageous. There, there, there is, I'm going to let you live in houses you did not build. I'm going to let you pick grapes you did not plant. Like this is our God. This is our daddy. But he's not going to do it at the cost of our sanctification. Look, he's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. He's more interested in your character than your comfort. And so God has a plan for your life. And, and let me tell you where it's wrapped up in. It's wrapped up in his plan, in his mission, in his purpose. And we've got to get on his page so that we do his work on his time for his kingdom and his glory alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the, the mission, the privilege to be clothed with power from on high in order to be your martyrs, your missionaries, your witnesses. Father, let us remember that this is a battlefield and there's going to be casualties. There's going to be painful moments. Let us, let us not be surprised by the fiery trials as if something surprising has happened. Let your word remind us that, uh, that we are fighting the good fight of faith. Help us to be reminded that... Um, that we're running a race that it's been marked out for us. Let us remember that when we come together as the body of Christ, that we're meant to be edified, encouraged, stimulated, and challenged for the ministry of good works. Let us be the light to the world and the salt of the earth. Help us to be a lighthouse. Help us to be so united, Father. Help us to be so yoked together in ministry. Help us to express our gifts with thanksgiving unto your, for your glory and your fame, let us express our gifts so that we are yoked together in order to be this lighthouse to this community. Father, this is your work to be done. Have us. Let us be clay in the potter's hands. Please, oh potter, would you have us so that you can mold and make us into your image. This is what we want. We know it's what you want. Help us to be submitted to your will, we pray in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.